once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C-Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. Today, we are here with Mr. Lyle Jensen, owner of MMD Records, and we are super excited to have him here with us today. Uh, he's here to drop some knowledge bombs and hopefully not get into too many shenanigans, but it is me and Curtis. So first, I do just want to say thank you for joining us today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I, I can't believe we actually pulled this off. We make it happen. 2021, can you believe it? <laughs> So, Technology is an absolutely great thing. <laughs> but before the first question, I just have a—I just wanted to ask you, Lyle, what what is that hoodie you got hanging up behind you right there? This behind, is, uh, behind you, behind you. There's ah, something. Like yes. Well, this is a Balfagar hoodie, uh, the Black and Death, and from I believe Austria. Uh, yeah, I actually bought this when I was in Japan from a Disc Union. Uh, which is Japan's lo uh, largest local retail outlet of heavy metals. So, yeah, nice. a little memento. It's kind of been a been a theme in all of our own podcasts that we've been hosting, where every week I kind of shake up the hoodie. Nice. So, my own cool. personal sanity, also. So, yeah, there we cool. go. Cool. Cool. This hoodie. Anyway, uh, this is a local band. This is Resurrection of Fetal Remains. So, oh my. If you guys into, <laughs> so, if you guys into brutal gore grind, um, go check them out. They are a I, I am Googling this as, as you speak. Oh, that's fantastic. While he is Googling, uh, for the people who don't know who you are or what you do beyond your hoodie choices, do you want to just give like a brief intro, nutshell version of who you are and what you do? Right. Well, I mean, long story short, uh, as you said, I own a record label called MMD Records, Mind Manipulation Device, uh, with the whole acronym. We're one of South Africa's only extreme metal record labels. Yep, that's right, South Africa. And mm -hmm. yeah, this band I just mentioned is a band that's based up in Johannesburg. South Africa's kind of spread across, I think, I'm so crap at my geography, but I believe we have uh, four or five major provinces, and this is one of the main bands from the Johannesburg Gauteng province. So, yeah, we've been doing this now 15 years, uh, focusing more on extreme metal in the last two and a half years. And, yeah, just, just kind of trying to bring all the local metal together in a way that we can kind of reach it out to the external market, all the listeners out there, because there's a lot of music out there and it's kind of hard to not get lost in the shuffle if you're not careful. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So how did, so I, I know, I know you've told this story many, many, many times, but for, for our audience, how did MMD actually start? Well, um, ironically enough, it, we, we started in 2005. Prior to that, I did a degree in marketing and corporate management. A little picture on the, on the 
on them actually bringing us on is that you could work for any international label as a logistics manager or marketer. And I was like, wow, here in South Africa, that seems ridiculous. Like the, the idea of working at a nuclear blast or something like that. And then I realized that they were blowing a whole bunch of smoke up our ass and no emails or phone calls came our way. Um, at that time, I had a business partner that kind of fell into a bit of hard times and he actually got his girlfriend pregnant. So we were in dire, he was in dire need of getting some monetary returns. I had all the business acumen behind me, kind of put it together, brought ourselves a little Russian investor into the fold who unfortunately died only eight months after uh, we got started. But yeah, the, that was pretty much it. I wasn't able to find work. I took matters into my own hands. At that time, we were focusing mainly on electronic music, which uh, for the South African market is kind of prominent. Um, it's a little bit of a decent target market for our genre. So we just focused on that. But then a few years ago, I got approached by a couple of bands to actually go to a gig, check out some of the guys that have been touring out in Romania and Slovakia in those areas. And I was just blown away on the quality of the music. And then I started hearing their studio uh, work that they were doing and figured, you know, we know enough about the electronic genre. Metal's always been my first passion. So to take what I've known from that, try to, you know, translate that into the metal scene, build up a little bit of an army of local guys, all with a little bit of differentiation in their own sound, but that line of commonality, joining them all together. And yeah, like I said earlier, just use it as a way to consolidate all the bands into one bubble under one umbrella and send it out to the masses that way. So yeah, that's pretty much that. So, so what are the advantages and disadvantages of running a label in the uh, African continent, specifically South Africa? Well, the main thing that we've actually come across and since uh, when last you and I actually spoke, Curtis, has been the logistics side, distribution. Now, every band in South Africa if they manufacture CDs or vinyls or banners, posters, whatever it may be, that usually results in, in people, fans having to buy from that band and mirroring that across all the bands that they like, thus having a, a large you know, number of shipping costs that are involved, which could usually, in the case of South Africa, double the retail price of what a, an album would be. Say you were paying 100 Rand, now you're paying close to 20, uh, like $20, you know, $20 an album as opposed uh, to $10. So, mm -hmm. I mean, with that type of uh, logic, uh, distribution uh, of the music has been something. So, well, uh, over these last two and a half years, while well, we've been kind of bringing in all of the bands, all the bands that have had merchandise and CDs available, especially now during this pandemic with nobody touring here in South Africa, not so much really. Um, we kind of thought it'd be a good idea to find a decent logistics manager, somebody that would be able to distribute across the whole African continent who has connections across all the African states. And we managed to find somebody. So uh, ironically enough, uh, over the last 
I believe month and a half we've uh, I've just been gathering boxes and boxes of merch and CDs and bi-weekly just drive what's it 10 miles through to uh, through to the sky drop them off and as the orders start to trickle in from the online demand we start to see what the actual like direct support is for those bands so it's it's coming back with some interesting analytics because digital is always one thing uh, because you can reach anybody in the world it kind of becomes a bit of a subjective topic where what continent do you want to try focus on where, where do you feel that your sound would probably suit as far as the bands go where what places they would suit up more so now by actually going back and getting a bit more analog with cds vinyls and all of that we're able to actually see what the proper demand is in terms of the local fan base for these bands that are releasing with us so nice. it's all trial by fire but again that's one of the main things another interesting point uh, that i actually didn't get to mention is that there is only one manufacturer in the whole of africa that actually prints vinyl uh then it's apparently there is um there's a shortage of that specific type of wax that gets imported uh, into the country and there's some weird limitation uh, on on the materials that are in it so that so it has to be pr uh, produced domestically and i think it could be some place like in nairobi that's manufactures them so even when it comes to manufacturing vinyls it's always looking into canada parts of the us you know maybe california aside somewhere coastline uh, or parts of europe for, for manufacturing so yeah all of these weird little pitfalls we're kind of figuring uh, out as uh, as we go and you know obviously trying to do a bit of damage control but another great thing has been uh, securing a one-stop shop in terms of manufacturing of cds which is a which is a good thing actually building up a, a proper relationship across a lot of bands not necessarily for a thousand units but maybe as small as a hundred units so i mean all of uh, all of this has kind of been like trying to instill hope in in the local metal scene because in all truth guys the the south african metal scene the entertainment uh, industry here was knocked very hard in in cape town specifically it was it's it's been like detrimental to the growth of the local scene i mean we've lost three of our biggest clubs here in the western cape johannesburg and port elizabeth also where the monolith guys are based lost one of their biggest local um live venues so it has been it's been a little bit of a a little bit of a, a hard reality because obviously as a label owner <laughs> not try to toot my own horn but you kind of try to act as almost a bit of a, a psychologist and a bit of a, a motivator for for the bands because a lot of the guys are not able to hypothetically go and have a band practice at the end of the day because we're still being issued a curfew period for example even with the vaccination rollouts that are coming we're still very much like limited so morale does get to get a little bit down so i figured something like this you know it kind of 
reaches out a little bit more branches across Africa also. Other, other um, bands and artists such as Nuclear Winter up in Zimbabwe or Overthrust in Botswana will now have the possibilities of being able to, to have their albums distributed across Africa. And I mean, the plus side about distributors and logistics guys, and I didn't think we, I actually would have been talking about this topic so much here, so I do apologize. But in the US, <coughs> Canada and Europe, I think it's something that a lot of label owners or a lot of record labels take, take for granted on how easily obtainable music actually is, even as a hard copy. It doesn't cost an arm and a leg to send a parcel across a country and you can be guaranteed that with your postal system, you're gonna generally get it. Unfortunately, South Africa being the, the country that we are, uh, none of us trust the postal system. It's all mm -hmm. very well getting, you can send stuff out of the country and when it gets out of the country, then it's easy because then it's, it's your guy's problem. It's the US, it's Canada's problem. So, and then you guys take control and you get it to your guys. Mm -hmm. It's a different story when you try to send stuff to South Africa because it's a big hoorah of what is this? Who are these guys? What is your affiliation? How can, how can SARS, our local uh, South African Revenue Service, take their percentage claim on the, on the parcel? And it just, yeah. There's a lot of politics and a lot of bureaucratic loopholes that uh, come with running a record label now, which kind of leads me to the realization as to why we haven't had any extreme metal record labels for the last 20 years come out of this country. Not since the, the mid nineties when there was that boom in the, in the CD revenue across the board. Mm -hmm. and I mean, and that, that whole new metal boom in, in the US that, that hit South Africa hard. So anybody that had been into anything like the Lincoln Parks or Limp Biscuits or Corns, automatically within one year or two years of that was suddenly getting like led on into the more extreme metal, the melodic or the death metal sides or the thrash. Mm -hmm. And that just, so, so yeah, not since that boom has it been actually anybody that's really been proactively trying to release this music under one banner. And that's, a harsh reality it's a little bit of a, a cross to bear because yeah. it's like you know like everybody is so diy you know in this country and that's something that's very important i mean like your you you guys for example being an agency in yourself uh, representing loads of independent artists and i mean in a way sometimes being an independent artist can be more lucrative for the artist in a way than releasing with a label because bands can get that uh, that upfront advance on the album. They can overextend themselves, and next thing you know, they're in debt to the label. And yep. me being the nice jolly guy and trying to keep the kumbaya vibes in this local metal scene going, you know, you you never want to be the bad guy to to. Nope. You know, it's not nice to have to talk figures, but obviously you have to. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is a, is a business. And I am well aware that, that there are certain pitfalls being a label here based in Africa that is for South Africans or Africans. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't even know what the question was. But I 
<laughs> that happens a lot on this show. Curtis, do you have a follow-up? I'm sure you do. I, I just wanted to point out that the South African Revenue Service is called SARS, and I think that's fucking hilarious. That's all I wanted to say. Yep. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, your viewers that, have, that may know the band Seether, they might not be aware that previously, before before they moved up to the U.S. and became a big deal, you know, with the whole Amy Lee partnership and all of that, they were called Sarin Gas. And oh. this was, yeah, so, and this was during uh, the entire anthrax scare that was happening in the US post 9 wow. 11. So, wow. for, before they were able to get signed to Epic, I believe the label was, um, they had to actually change the name of their band from Sarin Gas to Seether. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things take. Things take a bit longer here in in Africa to filter out to the rest of the world. I think it took like eight years before somebody made a big deal, and they they actually had an international signing before they actually did something about the name. So, yeah, there you go. Yes, SARS. Yeah. Yes, it's also also poisonous poisonous stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um. You good, Curtis? Or oh, I'm good. Go I'm on. good. I'm going to crack up. Just go, 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 go. Okay. okay. Um, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, uh, but so live performances aren't happening at all where you are. And like, is there just any hope or are they happening despite the restrictions? Well, I mean, we've been in our own lockdown live chat podcast that we've been doing. There's, there's a few bands that are spread across the certain provinces, as I mentioned, where like for example, Port Elizabeth, a band such as Monolith, who, uh, who Curtis would be aware of, they they have a very small metal scene there. But in terms of local regulations, I believe the local regulations is no more than 250 people per indoor or 50% capacity of said venue with social uh, distancing regulations applying. So, um, Obviously, with the Port Elizabeth scene, for and, and and actually, I'm terrible that I wish I knew what the name was because Port maybe you can do a Google search there, Curtis. Port mm. Elizabeth translation. There's a new name for Port Elizabeth, a new African name, if you will. Uh, they're changing all the names around, but anyway, there's a very small metal scene. What's the name? I can't pronounce it. Gukapera. It looks like I don't fucking know. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't. Something like, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, anyway, no. they, there is a very, there is a very small uh, uh, metal scene there, probably roughly 150 people. They generally, depending on hardcore or mellow death or maybe more black metal. So, I mean, in terms of people's neurosis around the pandemic here, Mm -hmm. that's obviously something that plays into the factor also so a lot of bands are trying to have events and they're having smaller gatherings but it's probably sitting 50 people maybe 80 so it, it would be more a i don't know do they call them pubs up uh, up there uh bars uh, small small live venues uh, like yeah. watering holes uh that that would be use so yeah i mean the i, I guess uh, to touch back with what Kari said if if there is hope um it's gonna come from within 
it's gonna involve the bands having to start from the ground up almost as it was in the year 2000 when a lot of the main clubs got knocked down and the electronic genre became way more prominent and a lot of people went and moved out from that so i i think it's going to be kind of a revival a slow rebirth um but obviously expectations are going to be a lot lower so in terms of that i feel like at one point two and a half years ago south africa was kind of getting to a, a bit of a critical mass level where we had a really decent international lineup like you would have Iron Maiden and Metallica and Black Dahlia Murder and like At The Gates and all of these other like internationals coming through within a very short radius of each other bands like Fear Factory and Cannibal Corpse and all of those guys as well Sepultura and blah and I, I, I feel like a lot of people kind of during this pandemic have kind of become needy and they kind of want they jonesing almost i'm not comparing it to like a drug but it's like they want they want their live performances back they want their uh, concerts back and i do feel like if the bands can take a bit of in you know, like a bit of that self-motivation and actually get back to to actually throwing their own events finding those interesting locations so it's cool venues that haven't been used before and actually get a little bit guerrilla tactics, start to promote and have flyers uh, again, start to do all of this. I think we will see a resurgence of the local metal scene, but, it, but in terms of the, lo- of the big festivals, I don't know. I mean, I've seen even uh, up in, in America and the US where certain parts, certain states are a little bit more lenient and they're having big festivals and other places are not. And I guess it's kind of the same story with with South Africa, but in terms of the fact of money to go around to spend on these large festivals, that's where my concern comes because I think it's still, I think we're a couple of years away before any of the organizers want to chalk up, you know, a quarter of their annual income on a hope and a prayer so i guess it all comes down to this vaccination process which is slow in this country also it's taking forever to to get these vaccination rollouts done so that also that that also affects local bands when it comes to international touring um can't get out of this country essentially without having your two nicer shots for most of the, the the world even even uh at one point, we were using the Johnson uh, Johnson and Johnson shots, but that's not even allowed uh, in a lot of the countries. It's not accepted as a form of vaccine entry. So, yeah, yeah, like these are very interesting topics that I'm sure you guys don't get to discuss with any of your other guests. It's a it's a very isolated incident down uh, down here in Africa. So, yeah, I guess as long as people support and keep supporting the, the local bands, even buying releases on Bandcamp. Those silly dollar figures, even if it's an $8 amount, which isn't technically that much money, um, if you're earning even a half decent, like half lower income salary up there, 
over here, if you extrapolate that to whatever our currency is, it's like 15 to 16 times stronger. So suddenly a $10 album is double the value, maybe even three times the value of what a band could sell that album to our local peers here in South Africa. So even somebody buying a, a, a wave on Bandcamp, buying the album directly from Bandcamp, it's, it tends to, to work a lot better in terms of the local bands. There's very few times where the currency benefits us, but in terms of international support and our brand being so piss poor, yep. it's one of the perks. One of the perks. People don't people don't huff out a twelve a twelve dollar digi pack with shipping. They do not. It's it's not a big deal. But over yeah. here, it's like you're you're basically asking somebody to get a vat shot. It's like you probably have more likelihood they'll get a vat shot because it's a free thing to get a vat shot. If they have to spend money on it, then they might have to toss it up. But yeah. that's how it is. That's yeah. how it is here. It's just. Um, it's just uh, the, the market uh, of, of how metal is in this country. It's just mid to lower class is the primary target market. Those are the metalheads here. It's very difficult to get those guys that are willing to buy the box sets of Iron Maiden or any of those guys that have it imported. There are those few, as you yeah. would in every country. But, yeah. 100%. What can you do? What can you do? <laughs> just do your best. That's pretty much it. That's right. <laughs> so, oh, this is Corey's question. I almost asked the question. Oh, no, no, you can go for it. I've, oh, I've asked the last couple. <laughs> yeah, no, that's mm -hmm. fine. Uh, okay, so now, how do you find exactly which bands you want to sign to the label? Exactly. Very, good. Very, very good question, because this has been my oh, dilemma. Oh, over... oh, oh, but before I do that, I have to have a qualifier. Yes. I have a qualifier on that that I forgot to add. So are they only South African bands as well? Okay, no. so now I'll answer the question. So that, that I had a qualifier I forgot to ask. Right, what do, what do I look for? Um, in, terms of a, in terms of a label, there's certain key fundamental things that, uh, that we would look at, just certain analytics as a, in terms of how the follower base is on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily what the number of Facebook or Instagram likes are but how interactive those uh, those few followers are if they if they're getting even 15 or 20 likes on a post but they're getting six or seven comments that they're all interacting with it lets me know that they're a little bit more proactive than mm -hmm. the average band just expecting a a payout and all of this the you know the red carpet so to speak yeah. so those in terms of social media are, are the thing um a bit of an honest work ethic. I mean, I, I look at MMD Records as a family, and as much as we do focus a lot on the South African bands, all of the bands that are represented on the label all have their own unique sound. It's just by chance that they all get along and all actually have toured with each other in South Africa, re regardless of what province they're from so they all have that basis of comparison they all can vouch for each other they're all able to obviously do collaborations with each other with very little licensing or you know payment fees uh, required so it keeps a kind of a family based nature so having just a nice solid work ethic and being able to you know not 
take yourself too seriously. You know, we, we can offer as much as what other labels can, but it, it comes at a price. And if you're not being proactive as a band yourself, you know, like we can only do so much. We can open the door, but to the, the people need to walk through them and you need to be the one guiding them through, you know, like a, like a maitre d', if you will. So, yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, I think those are, that's some of the key fundamentals. Don't be too full of yourself. Make sure that you're interactive uh, online in whichever capacity. And obviously make a, make good music, you know, yeah. like a, like a, like, like a, that's a key thing. Don't, uh, you don't have like crappy sound and like make sure that in terms of the production that it does have a level of organicness unless you're planning on being like a brutal death band where having triggered or programmed drums is fine if you're trying to be a, a a almost like a like a party thrash type metal band then you need to have an analog feel about your sound so yeah like that's that stuff when it triggers my ear personally um i think that's kind of where it kind of starts and ends. If it sounds good to my ear and they're good online, and you know, regardless of the numbers, if it if it looks like they're coming from a place of honesty, I think then we can work together. And that applies to a lot of international artists, like the guys from Jackhammer Records, who have bands that are based out in France and Japan, where there might be a bit of a specifically in Japan, where there's a big uh, language and cultural difference is a, there's a whole different process when it comes to to dealing with the uh, the artists some of them are a lot more direct and upfront and you have to just understand that so yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's a, that's pretty much a, it like yeah good music good music good humans good what, promotion what else <laughs> the general rule the electronic stuff or the metal stuff you do what i mean just what actually, that again? What usually sells more as a general rule out of this stuff? Is it usually the electronic or the metal? Out of curiosity. Well, you're asking you're asking all the right questions today. Actually, here's a, a here's a here's an interesting thing because now we've been running the label now uh, two and a half years, which is you know roughly about uh, roughly about uh, ten financial quarters. So we're actually starting to build up proper analytics as to where, where these bands are selling, what albums are selling, what websites and online platforms they're selling on. And we're able to target those specific countries when it comes to those releases. The interesting thing that I've noticed with the electronic side is that um, there are a lot more cherry picking sites that are available for, let's say, psychedelic trance, which is the genre that we focus on. Yeah. Um, where DJs will actually buy the music. It's a different kind of oh. dichotomy to that of Bandcamp where you're, where that's generally the only place short of buying an album, a physical hard CD and extracting that onto your computer. It's really the only place where you can get a wave format of a band's release. Um, you, iTunes, uh, Amazon, all of those guys are MP3 uh, streaming platforms. Spotify, I think is... I don't even know if it's 320 kilobytes for their streaming. It's probably like 196 or something. So 
it, it, it kind of comes down to the, the fact that, that with our electronic Psytrance, the target market is way more funneled down. We have a specific target market of DJs that listen to our music that are spread across the world that are focusing on these certain top 10 or top 100 charts. And if the music falls within that chart, then it's usually a bit of a snowball effect. And one guy buys the album and then that'll get it one spot higher in the chart. And then suddenly three more people will buy it and then it gets higher and higher. Next thing you know, you've got like a top two or top one position that now yeah. your artist is able to <clears throat> show off in a way. So because the target market is much more micro, whereas with metal, it can be everybody up to your grandmother that listened to the bands, yeah. it, it, it's a way more broader target market to focus on. So we tend to do a lot better in terms of selling hard copy wave versions, which can be sold, I think, up to $3 or three euro a track. So mm -hmm. up to $35 on a compilation, hypothetically, and doing that. Yeah, I know. So, and they're willing to pay it because they need high quality wave to be able to play at these Tomorrowland sound system stereo output rigs, these big outdoor festival rigs. So mm -hmm. they're willing to pay. So, but then the flip is, is that hippies don't either they don't know how to stream or they just anti-streaming or anti the man I, I don't know but the streaming revenue for metal on spotify itunes deezer title whatever youtube whatever you may have through the roof for for metal i mean you would probably mm -hmm. you could probably add a zero to three zeros with with a comparison on how much better a band will do streaming in this country compared to a band uh, like a producer a singular artist or to a two-man project putting out a three-track ep of electronic music so it's very weird but i mean i guess the main question is if we can get that balance if there is a way for the for the label to get to the point where we have a number of of people that are into the our genre of electronic music listening to that style of music and streaming it via spotify and playlisting it without the because i don't think they realize that by playlisting it that music actually helps more listeners reach out it's just because the electronic genres are always focused around specific cherry picking online sites that people buy their music from everything revolves around that little bubble it's yeah. uh it's very weird but if there's a way similar similar with the bands if there's a way that we can get more people to stream all of the music that we're putting out that the djs are buying um but the electronic same thing with the bands if we can get more people to buy hard copy analog cds vinyls posters merchandise whatever it may be then suddenly now the bands are going to be looking at making a proper return because yeah. uh, it, because then they then they're benefiting from both streaming merch and actual revenue if people start buying if if you start getting a hundred people buying uh, your album on bandcamp you're going to start to see an actual like revenue spike so yeah yeah it's kind of again trying to find that balance you know sure. it's a it's a juggling act it's a yeah
cool. Well, we're about out of time. So do we have, do you have any final questions for Lyle, Corey, or are we good? I do not on my end. Do you? I do not for today. So we're going to have to have them back at some point to discuss, because I want to talk a little bit more about the sales end at some point. So we'll have you back in a few months, Lyle. Uh, but other than that, thank you for coming on and party on, Corey. Party on, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.